turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. That'll be the first place we'll actually go and look at things this evening. We're looking at continuing our study of angels and demons. And, of course, this semester, that's what the subject is. Spirit beings created by God. Who are these beings? What do they do? Why is there so much interest in them, uh, And especially at this time? And let me just tell you, you notice that, especially when we start getting into the demonic stuff, that there are movements out there all over of people into what they call spirituality, but it's not spirituality of the Bible. It's really about demonic stuff, and we're going to see more and more of this. The Bible is filled with reference to angels, these spirit beings. Uh, they don't have bodies, but they, some of them can take forms, those kind of things. So in our first lesson, we talked about good angels. Angels, and we talked about the existence of the angels, good angels, and the organization of the angels. They call different names, like you know, like Michael the archangel and Gabriel, and all of these things. And we looked at things like cherubim and, and cherubim and seraphim and, and uh, different angels and powers and principalities, and so all those things. And we saw their ministry, especially the ministry to Christ. Then, as we, we're moving now, as I call it, the darker side, because Lucifer, the son of the morning, the devil. Who is this? We've seen, uh, we all talk about the devil, and, you know, uh, when you say the devil, there's some people who laugh at you when you talk about the devil. Uh, And so we'll talk about how that is. Where is he? Where did he come from? What's he trying to do? How does he relate to God? How does he relate to us? And so we're going to see some good things as we go through it. So let's start with this. There are really two extremes when dealing with the devil. The first extreme is you ignore him. And you say that he's not there. He doesn't exist. And and there are people out there that say there's no such thing as the devil. It's a man-made thing. And there's no such thing as like an evil being going around and those kind of things. And so they ignore him. And, of course, the devil loves that when when people don't admit that he's there. The second thing is that they put him almost on the same level with God, and they say, they blame him for everything, everything that goes wrong. I've had people say, uh, the the demon of, you know, of, of, of some kind of disease you got, or the demon of a cough, or <coughs> the demon that's out there, you know, and they just want to put him on the level with God. And, you know, Satan is not on the level with God. Sometimes we have this idea that there's, you know, God and Satan, and it's like this massive battle going on. And we'll talk more about that in just a little bit. So this evening, we're going to be looking at the devil and Lucifer. So we're going to put the devil, and hey, we're going to get the background. So let's start, and we'll just start with this question. Is there really an angel called Satan who's a bad angel? And some would say that man made him up because how do you how do you say evil? Well, you say evil because there's there's some spirit thing out there that causes evil. That's where evil comes from, and and so some people want to say that. But let's think about this in Job chapters one and two. It says Satan comes before the throne of God. Now we're talking about the Word of God. The Word of God says that there is a being called Satan who comes before the throne of God. Notice this. This is a, a passage that I want you to see and look at. I hope you've got it. There's Satan comes before the throne of God. Look at this. This is Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Notice who is accusing the high priest. Watch this. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not a brand plucked from the fire. So look, look at this. This is a high priest. This is coming back, and, and this is, he, he is the, the servant of God, and then there's an angel there, and there's Satan there accusing Joshua, the high priest, and the Lord is there. Notice who it is. It's who? Angel of the Lord. And that's the Lord said to Satan, rebuke you. 
So, I mean, there's, so if we'd say, is there really a, a, a demon? Is there really some angel called Satan? The answer is yes. Let me raise this question. When Jesus was tempted, who tempted him? Satan. So, you know, there's some people who say there really is no Satan, but we can see easily that in the Scripture there is Satan. There is this being that tempted God. There is this being that tempted that high priest. There's, there's that being uh, that's all throughout the Scripture in the book of Job, that, that Satan. So well, there, there is a fallen angel, an enemy. And listen, he is your enemy. You understand that? He's like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He, he would love to destroy you. He would love to. The angel is often called Satan. He's sometimes called son of the morning. He's sometimes called Lucifer. Uh, this angel revealed. And so let me give you some false assumptions about the devil. And you're gonna, you know, you'll laugh at some of them, but these are assumptions that people have. First of all, that the devil is in hell. First of all, the hell is called the what? Lake of fire. And we don't think that maybe nobody's in the lake of fire right now. And the devil's not in hell. In fact, if you see drawings, there's this place that's way down in, in the heart of the earth and fire is going and there's this being there and he's kind of standing there and he's got horns and everything and that's the devil. And everybody thinks, well, the devil's in control of hell. That's what, no, he's the prince of the power of the air. He's not in the heart of the earth. In fact, when we, we've drawn this up so, so many times, when you think about a place called Sheol and Hades, same place, this is Greek and this is Hebrew and there's a place in the heart of the earth and this was basically called paradise and this we call it torments and there's a place called Tartarus over here and there's a gulf in between. But this is the heart of the earth now and no good, no believers are in the heart of the earth because they've all been taken with Jesus Christ to eternal, up, up to the heavens. But there are, be, there are people and some angels in the heart of the earth. But that's not hell and that's not the lake of fire. And so when people want to say the devil's in hell, the devil controls hell. No, he doesn't. That's wrong. He's the prince of the power of the air, not of the of, the, of hell. Second, that the devil is horrible. He's ugly. He's he's got red underwear and he has a pitchfork and and all that. That's what everybody you know how they draw him up. And 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 listen, let me just say something. He is horrible, but he is beautiful and cunning. And when he comes to you, he doesn't come to you as something horrible. When he's going to tempt you and attract you, it's not something horrible. It's something good. He does that. He, he, he's, uh, he, he has beauty. He will attract us. You remember, we're, we're going to talk about it a little bit, that he was this anointed cherub at the, the throne of God. I mean, a beautiful being. So, yes. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I couldn't hear you. What is the word what? What what's the word? I don't know what y'all are saying. Who is the he? Oh, we're talking about the devil. Uh, but you got to say it louder. I couldn't understand that you're saying he. The he is the devil. We're talking about the devil, and we're talking about assumptions that are wrong about the devil. Some say the devil is horrible, but he's actually beautiful and cunning. He is not, he's not some being that looks like, that scare you to death, although probably he could, and he can do anything because he's just a horrible being. But he actually comes to us not as a horrible being, but as something beautiful. The third thing, this is, a he, this is Satan again. That People say, the devil made me do it. The devil made me sin. Listen, Satan doesn't make you sin. 
Why do you sin? Huh? The flesh. Yeah. It, you know, we've drawn this up many, many times. I just want to show it to you one more time just to give you an idea. But when you think about a person, we have a body and a soul and a conscience and a flesh. And then when we're born again, we have a new human spirit, which is the part that's born again. You're spiritually alive. And then the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. But we still have this bent to sin, that natural bent to sin, a part of us that actually wants to sin. And so when we say, well, the devil made me sin, the truth is the devil doesn't make us sin. We, we may get ourselves in situations that are bad, but ultimately we sin. And if you read the book of James, he says that we sin because we are tempted and, and then go off and go with our flesh, and our flesh causes us to die. Yes? Somewhere in the Bible, I don't remember exactly where, but says that we're never tempted beyond. The exactly. First Corinthians, he says that there's no temptation coming to you that is not common to man, but but God will not allow any temptation that will come that will be beyond what you can handle, but he will make a way of escape. So that really means when we get tempted in a fallen world, we don't have to say, I couldn't help it. There was nothing I could do. The truth is God provides a way out. And if we don't listen to our flesh but listen to the power of the Spirit and live, we, we, can, we can make it. But most of the time we don't. I mean, at least most of the time I don't. You know, you may do great. I, I, you know. Okay. Okay. This is the third thing. The fourth one is there's this giant battle between Satan and God. And that's wrong. There's not a giant battle. When it's all time, all God does is speak, and it's over. That's all he does. He speaks, and it's over. There's this idea that there's good and evil in the world. And when you look at Eastern mysticism, you get this, this yin and yang. You get this good and bad. When you look at Star Wars, you've got the, the force, and there's the dark side of the force and the good side. There's no such thing as that. Those are all wrong. There is God who is only God and he is all-powerful and he can do anything. There is Satan who is an angel. And then when God gets ready to deal with Satan, he will deal with him just like that. It is not a gigantic battle that's going on. Just remember that. God is in control. He has allowed, he has allowed Satan to be the prince of the power of the air. I don't know if I have that verse. Yeah, look at this. This is Revelation 20 verse 10. We'll eventually get to it on Sunday morning. And the devil who deceived him was what? thrown in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast of false prophet also and they will be tormented day and night for how long? Forever. For and ever. Who is that? That's Satan and the false prophet and the, the beast and the false prophet. The beast, of course, is the Antichrist and we're seeing them on Sunday morning. But th when, when God is ready, he's going to cast Satan into the lake of fire. It's not a battle. It won't be much to it. Just, and we'll be thankful. And we're, we're, we're not doing the fight. And listen, let me just say this now. In this, in this world in which we have a fallen world system control, it, it, you know, you, you want to put it this way. There's, a, there's, a, there's the devil who controls the world system, and that world system affects our flesh. And that, there's a battle there. But even then, we're not fighting the devil. We, we draw near to God. We put on the armor of God. God is the one who gives us the victory. And so, even in the, in the fallen world system, it, it, we, we depend on God, not on ourselves. So, that one of these days, it's going to be all over for Satan. 
And you know, some of the questions that a lot of us have, we might could say is, I wonder why um, God just didn't deal with him immediately and never had this. We don't know. We don't know. And, that, and, and, and why did God save us and not angels? You know, and why did he do what he did? And, you know, as we said already, the angels desire to look into what God's doing with us. It's really some amazing things. Okay, with that in mind, we have this being called Lucifer and Satan, an angel. We cannot understand how bad he is. Uh, before we get a little further into this thing, let me give you a big overview. And we're going to talk about, and if you notice your handout, we're going to talk about Satan's relationship to God, Satan's relationship to man, and Satan's relationship to Jesus. And we're just going to touch on high parts here. And then as we get further on in some weeks, some further down the road, we'll get a lot more details on this. But let's talk about in his relationship to God, the devil wants to be God. The devil is an angel that wants to be God. He wants to rule all of creation. Now, God has allowed him to be the prince of power of the air, and he's over this world system, and it's a fallen world system. But he doesn't want that. He wants to be God. He wants to be God himself. We're going to see it a little bit later on. So as far as his relationship to God, he wants to rule everything. And let me just say this. We'll see it later on. When, we, when he talks about how did, how did Satan deal with people, what did he want? He wanted to destroy them. God had them in a what? What kind of environment did God put the man and the woman? I, I mean, like it was a perfect environment. It was paradise. And he destroyed that. He wanted to destroy that. So in his relationship to God, he wants to rule the world. He's in open rebellion against God. He, everything that you can think of that God is... He's the opposite of. But he wants to look like God. He has a false gospel. He has a false message. Uh, he has a false world. He has false everything. So he, he is really, he, he wants to be worshipped. The second, in relationship to mankind, the devil is a liar. John, what is it? John 644 or 844? Which one is it? I, I've lost it. I can't remember which one it is. But the devil is a liar. His goal is to corrupt mankind. He is a liar. He's a liar from the beginning. What did he tell Eve? Actually, the woman, what did he tell her? If you eat from this fruit, God, God's not telling you the truth, that if you eat from this fruit, you'll be what? You'll be God, God. Because, see, that's what he wants. He wants to be like God, so he knew he can't be like God. So he told the, the woman, you can be like God. And she thought, well, that tree looks good to eat, and, and you know, being like God would be pretty impressive. And, and that's what happened. So he wants to corrupt. He's a liar. He's a corrupter. Uh, look at this. The devil... To unbelievers, now get this, and you can write this down. The devil never wants a person to believe. The devil never wants a person to believe. He doesn't care what a person believes as long as they never believe in Jesus Christ as Savior for eternal life. You understand that? You know what? He would rather have, I'm going to erase this. He would rather have a person going to church every week and thinking that their deeds and their good things save them. He would rather have that than a person who's in the gutter, who knows that they're in trouble, and somebody might talk to them and they would say, oh, I need something, and they'd be open to Jesus. But these people, listen, there are people in this town that go to church every Sunday. They have never believed in Jesus Christ. They've never even understood it. They've gotten a false message, and they think they're okay. And sometimes you may ask them, and you may ask the question, if you were to die, would you go to heaven? Most of them will say something like this. 
I hope so, or I think I will. And when you ask them, it is never, I have believed in Christ for eternal life. It is, I've tried to live good, or I did this, or I'm going to church, or I've tried to do the right things. It's over and over again. He never, listen, he he would rather have people in church because they're not looking for the answers. I went to a church in Dallas when I first went to Dallas Seminary. I had to go to a, they actually had a class that I took the first semester which was like a, what they call kind of a kind of a side little class you had to do do it it wasn't like going to the real class but you had to go to six different ministries and they gave you options and some of them were cults and some of them were just mainline denominations some and you had to go and evaluate them well I went into one that was a cult I mean it was a cult and you know I evaluated well I, I drove downtown downtown to a huge church downtown Dallas. And I got out of the car, and I had my Bible. And I noticed that as people were walking in, none of them had a Bible. And I thought, wow. And we got in there, and these little ladies were walking in, and they said, are you new? And I said, well, I'm coming today. Would you sit with us? Oh, yes, ma'am. And I sat down beside them. And the pastor got up and never used the Bible, never opened the Bible, never said a word about Christ, never said any of this. All he kept saying was, and he said it over and over because I heard it, we walk to the beat of a different drum. That's all he said. When the message was over, she looked at me and she said, wasn't that wonderful? I didn't know what to say. I, I'll be honest with you. I just said, <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I said, uh, I just didn't really say hardly anything. I said, well, I thank you all for letting me sit with you. There are people like that. They have no idea. They have been fooled. By the lie of the devil, they go to church every Sunday, and one of these days, they're going to say, didn't we say, Lord, Lord? And he's going to say, I never knew you. Because they fought, bought into this idea that, see, the devil never wants a person to believe, but he doesn't care what they believe as long as they don't believe in Jesus for eternal life. They can believe anything else. And, and so that, that, that's, that's his plan to the unbelievers. Now, to believers, his goal is to stop us from serving. That's the plan. The believer's goal is to stop us. It's too late as far as eternal life. We have eternal life. We're saved and saved forever. Uh, But he never wants you to be involved. He never wants you to grow. He never wants you to make disciples. He never wants you to be a disciple. He never wants you to understand the scripture and put it together and say, wow, I'm seeing this. He never wants that. He wants you to be frustrated. In fact, he he wants you to be some of those people who say, I don't go to church anymore because when I was 12, there was an argument in our church and we I don't go because I ain't going with those hypocrites. You know, that's what he wants you to do as a believer. Yeah, he, that's, he's saying, wonderful. Just stay right there. Yeah, you'll never grow. Yeah. That's what he wants. That's why there's division in churches. Let's just face it. So uh, he wants believers uh, to never grow, to never grow. And that's his plan. And so he wants to stop unbelievers from believing and believers from serving. That's his plan. And so when you start getting an attitude like, I'm mad about this or I'm mad about this or I may not do this anymore because they hurt my feelings, you know where all that stuff's coming from. It's not coming from God. I can tell you that right there. So be careful. So in relationship to God, he wants to to be God. In relationship to mankind, he never wants unbelievers to believe. He just wants them to be confused. And believers, he just never wants us to serve. And then when you think about Jesus, his relationship to Jesus, his goal, his goal has always been to stop Jesus and the salvation plan. That's what he's always been, from the garden all the way on. Remember, in the garden, what was the, what was the thing? There's going to be a battle between the seed of woman 
and the seed of, of the serpent, right? And who is the serpent? Serpent is, is the devil. And the seed of woman, that's ultimately Christ. So that, the whole thing is, all the way up, there's this battle. And the devil's plan is, if I can stop him from ever dying and rising again. Because that's the plan. Because God shows Adam and Eve. He, he, well, he showed them right then. He killed an animal, covered up the coats of skin, and, and basically told them the seed of woman is coming, who's going to crush the head of the serpent. That's going to be Jesus dying and paying for sin and dealing with all of that stuff. And from that point on, Satan has said, how can I stop him from going to the cross? How can I stop him from going to the cross? I want you to look at Matthew chapter 4. And this is probably one of the key aspects. And it's Matthew 4, 8 through 11. He, he wanted Jesus to be the king without the cross. Let's talk about it. This is, this is the temptation. And if you remember in chapter 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted 40 days. And the tempter came. And this is Satan. And he said, you know, he said, if you're really hungry, and if, you know, if, 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 if you're the Son of God... And see, this is, this is amazing. By the way, just look at verse 3 for a second. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. That if is a first-class if in Greek, which means if and is true. He's not saying, if you are the Son of God, you might not be. He's saying, if you're the Son of God, and you are. He's recognizing that Jesus is the Son of God. He said, make these stones bread. And Jesus said, no. And then he took him to a holy city and said, jump off and show everybody you won't get hurt. And he said, no. And then you get to verse 8 where we're looking at. And he said, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now, let me ask you a question. Is Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Now, who controls the fallen world system now? Satan does. But who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? And who eventually will rule everything? Jesus will. But he's got to do something before he rules. What is that? He's got to die and pay for sin. He's got, and Satan says, guess what? See all the kingdoms of the world? And he said to him in verse 9, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. He wanted Jesus... He wanted the, see, the, the cross has to go before the crown, but Satan wanted, you know, you just, you don't have to put all the, the cross, you know, the, he wanted the cross, uh, the cross has to go before the crown, but Satan wanted it the opposite. He said, you can, you can be the king without dying. And see, what if Jesus said, hey, that's a great idea, because, you know, it's not going to be that fun. Because I'm a human being, it's not going to be that fun to get beaten up and, and done all this stuff and then crucified and have to actually die and all of that. So it won't, it won't be uh, that much fun. He said, I'll give you the kingdoms if you worship me. Wow. So Satan is always trying to stop the plan. Always. Think about this. Um, from the very beginning, that's his plan. Stop Jesus from coming and dying on the cross and paying for the sins of the world. I mean, what is the greatest event in all history? There's two that actually go together. What is it? Death and resurrection. You don't have resurrection, you have nothing. But we say, when Jesus died on the cross... He paid for the sins of the entire world. He took care of all of the issues and all of these things and then rose from the grave conquering death. And that's the greatest thing that's ever happened. And then he is, God is able, or Jesus is able to offer a promise to any one of us, and that is eternal life as a gift.
eternal life. Satan's always trying to stop the plan. Think about this. The, at that time of Noah, they tried to destroy the world. At, at Esther, they were going to wipe out all the Jews. Jesus in temptation, if he could just get him. Now it's too late, but what did Hitler try to do? And why? You know, we talked about this Sunday morning. The, the nation of Israel is God's chosen people. That doesn't mean they're saved. They're chosen for service. Each individual Jewish person must believe in Jesus for eternal life. When we say they're the chosen people, we're not saying chosen for salvation. They are chosen for service. God set them apart to give us the word of God and to bring the Messiah into the world. And, and so all the way through history, whether it's in Esther's time or Jesus' time or way back at Noah's time or all of that, at the time in Egypt when they tried to kill all the boy babies, they always want to wipe out the Jewish people and wipe out the way for the Messiah to come. Well, it's too late. But Hitler hates them anyway. Hitler hated them. So he killed six million of them. And let me tell you, when the Antichrist comes in the tribulation, halfway through, who's he going after? Who's he going after? Did you see it on Sunday morning? Who's he going after? The nation of Israel. That's why Jesus says when you see the abomination desolation is spoken of by Daniel the prophet, don't go back into your house. Run as fast as you can to get out. He's talking to Jewish people. The abomination desolation takes place in Jerusalem. These people know it. They're running for their lives. Always, God is, Satan has always wanted to do everything to wipe out Christ and the Jewish people. Always. And if, if before Jesus came, if he could wipe out Jewish people, there wouldn't be a Jesus. He couldn't come. There wouldn't be a Jewish people to come through. So this is some powerful stuff, y'all. And, and uh, you know, I, like I mentioned from Sunday, I think, I don't know if it was this Sunday or Sunday before that, there's some people who will say things like, well, I don't like Jews. I said, you don't? You know, Jesus was Jewish. You like him? Let's just face it. There are people who despise Jewish people for no reason. And it all goes back to the evilness of Satan and attacking the Jewish people. It always goes back. Wow. Okay, with that in mind, let's talk about the creation of Satan. Let's talk about how he came. And we think about how did the devil come to be? And God created the, God created the devil. He, he created the devil because Colossians 1.16 says he created all things. And, and look at this right here. Let me just throw this up for you, okay? You don't have to, have to do a zero. Yeah, I, we haven't even got to this yet. Look at this. On the day you were created, this is, this is Ezekiel 28 talking about Satan. It says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the, 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 the emerald, and the gold. On the day you were created. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Satan. He's talking, we're going to see later on, he's called the anointed cherub. So Satan is an angel, a cherub. And, and you, when you think of cherubs, you think of the little bitty cute little things. No, cherubs are not little bitty cute things. They're powerful beings. And, and that some of them have more, you know, six wings and all those kind of things. And we know that in Exodus it says, in six days God created the heavens and the earth and everything that is in them. And the real question is, were these angels created before our creation? Well, look at this. Job says they sang when the world was formed, angels. So I think angels were created before he created this world. And, or somehow very early. But anyway, let, let's, let's talk about this. This is wild. On the day that he's a created being. Just remember that. He's not God. I've, I, I've been reading a book, and the guy in the book says that there are gods. There's one true God, and then there's other gods. And I disagree. And everywhere he quotes gods, there are actually angels and demons. And then he goes and says, now these gods are, of course, demons, but they're real gods. No, no, they're not real gods. 
People worship him as God, but they're not gods. There's only one God. One God who exists in what? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's only one God. There's not but one God in all of creation. And he's not part of the creation. He made the creation. So just remember that. So let's talk about the fall. Let's talk about what happened. We look at the Bible. This angel created by God to be at the throne of God had a great power of responsibility. So we're going to look at three things, okay? We're going to look at what happened. That's the fall. Then we're going to look at when did the fall happen? When did this happen? If we can even figure it out. And then what is the result of the fall? Okay, so let's think about it. The first thing is, if y'all got it, I'm going to make sure everybody gets it. We'll, we'll, we'll be getting it as we go along, too. But, um, so three things. What happened? When did the fall happen? And the results of the fall. Let me give everybody just a second to write that down. We're talking about the fall of, of Satan. Yeah, because we're talking about Satan. So the, what the fall? Yeah, not the fall of human beings. We're talking about the fall of Satan. Okay, this bad angel. When did this happen? What happened? What, how did, when did it happen? And basically the result. So what happened? The fall. Before there was sin in the world, we have a beautiful, powerful being serving God at the throne of God. Now that is, is, is almost hard to imagine. When you think about it, before that, uh, through this angel Satan centered, uh, through this angel's, uh, through this angel Satan sin entered the world, and through man Adam sin entered our world. So Satan through the universe and Adam into the world. Just remember that. So how did, we'd say this: How did sin come into our universe through Satan? How did sin come into our world? It was through Adam. Hmm. Yeah, I can. It, I mean, you don't have to write every word down. The idea there is there's this beautiful being created by God at the throne of God. And so this is before this, this fall happened. You, 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 you got it or you want more? Okay. Yeah. Okay, now, I, I got it. there's a guy named Ron Rhodes. He's a Dallas Seminary grad. And he writes a lot of books. And uh, he wrote some things about these spirit beings and... Uh, Here's what he says about angels. He says, Satan's sin, of course, had widespread effects. Now think about this. It affected other angels. It affects all people. It positioned him as ruler of this world. It affects all the nations of the world, for he works to deceive them. Satan's act of rebellion had unfathomable consequences. I mean, just think about who he is and what he did and, and all of that. And we realize that God created angels and mankind with free will. Listen, you have free will. You know, there's a whole group of people that say you don't have free will. <laughs> I prove it all the time. Because <laughs> God says, I don't want you to sin. And I go, I'm going to. Right? We have free will. Do angels have free will? Or did they for sure? At a point in time, yes, they did. Understand that neither angels or people are robots. Satan made decisions. So let's turn in our Bibles to Ezekiel 28. Okay, just turn over there. You're in Matthew, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. And we turn to Ezekiel 28. And we'll see this about this, this being. We're seeing the fall of Satan. The passage, now by the way, the passage when you read it begins with the king of Tyre. 
If you look at chapter 28, verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to the leader of Tyre, that's the king of Tyre. And if you're reading this, you think maybe this passage is about a king of Tyre. And I think it begins with that. You know, a lot of times in the Bible, there's a, there's a dual aspect of what is meant by this. And we're going to find that this king of Tyre is actually Satan. Uh, that there is, was a king of Tyre, but there was this. And if you look down at verse 12, uh, let, me, let me look at verse 11. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take a lamentation over, a, over the king of Tyre and say to him. Now, who is this he's talking to? Look, you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, who, who is that? That's not a king of Tyre, is it? I mean, who, who could that be? A seal of perfect wisdom and beauty? Look at the next verse. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. And it goes on and talks about all those stones. And then it ends, it says, at that end of verse 13, on the day you were created. Wow. Now, so this, this isn't the king of Tyre. And, 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 and in this passage, he's called the what? Look at the next verse. You were the anointed cherub who covers. And I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of stones of fire. What does that tell you about this being? He was at the throne of God, and he's called the anointed cherub. Now, he's an angel. So this is not talking about the king of Tyre. It started with the king of Tyre, who actually was a king of Tyre. But now he's moved to using this and saying, look who you are. You're the anointed cherub. Okay, and then look down at verse 16. Look what it says. By the abundance of your trade, you are in lastly filled with violence, and you sinned. The angel sinned, rebelled against God. He goes on to say he was cast out from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones. He's cast him out. And verse 17, can, do you, are you got this down? Do you see where we are? Look at verse 17. Your heart was lifted up. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by wisdom of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. He's basically saying, I removed you. I cast you to the ground. I got you out of your place. What caused that? What caused that fall? Pride. It's obvious, is it not? What does he say? He's beautiful. That's what he says. He's beautiful. Your heart was lifted up. Notice what he says. Your heart was lifted up. You were blameless in your days. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6 says pride. And it actually says when talking about somebody for leadership, it says don't let, make a new convert into a place of leadership so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. The devil's pride. Wow. What do you think about this being? What do you picture there? What do you picture when you picture this passage? This beautiful creature created by God in, on the mountain of God, at the throne of God, the anointed cherub with beauty and all these emeralds and diamonds and everything all around. And he says his heart was lifted up. Pride. Pride is the disaster, by the way. What caused the fall of man? Pride. What caused the fall of Satan? Pride. It's always that way. Now, huh? And he causes ours. 
Yeah. Now, with that in mind, I want, to sh- I want you to go to another place. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 14. So you're in Ezekiel, go back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14. These two passages, Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14, are two passages that deal with Satan. Now, guess what, guess what Isaiah is going to do? Yeah. Ezekiel said it was called the king of... Isaiah is going to call him the king of Babylon. Look, um, look at verse 4. That you will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon. And he's going to talk about the king of Babylon. And we're going to see what is known as the five I wills of Satan. Look down at verse 12. And this gives you a little idea. Uh, As I said a while ago, this is Isaiah talking about the king of Babylon. But he continues... As he continues, the passage changes, and it does the same thing as we saw in Ezekiel. He goes from a king of Tyre to Satan. He goes from the king of Babylon to Satan. And look what he says, verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven. From heaven. Yes. I'm guessing it's Isaiah 14, 2, should be 12, right? Oh, yeah. I, got, I was supposed to tell you all this. Um, uh, where it says Isaiah fourteen two is supposed to be fourteen twelve, uh, we just didn't. That was put in the book, and we couldn't change that. We changed it on the slide, but we couldn't change it in the book. So thanks for yeah, thank you for telling me that. Okay, so how, look what he says. Have have you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, O sun of the dawn? You've come down to earth. You have weakened the nations. Now he's got he's gotten removed. He's getting removed. Now we're going to see that he's called the son of the morning, the son of dawn. And then look at this, the five I wills of Satan. I want you to see this, and I want you to know it. I want you to know this. These are the five things that Satan said. Verse 13, you said in your heart, this is what you wanted, and this is what you wish. Look at verse 13. But you said in your heart. Now let's look at the five I wills. Here's the first one. I will what? I will ascend to heaven. Now, isn't he already in heaven? Well, that's what we think. But what does he mean by that? He's not, he's not saying, I just want to stay in my place. I want to get even higher. Look what he says. I will ascend to heaven. This is not that he'd be in heaven, but he wants to take over heaven. He wants God's place. He wants the same place as God. That's what he wants. Remember, how many heavens are there? Three. Three. The first heaven is the? Atmosphere, the second heaven is probably the abode of angels and things, and the third heaven is where God and other angels abode. He says, I want, I want, I want, to, send, I want to send to heaven. He's already got the place with God, right? He's already got the throne of God. Look at the second one. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. By the way, who are the stars of God? The other huh? The other exactly. He's saying, I'm, I'm going to be above all the other angels. And you know what? He may have already been above all the other angels. We just don't know. I mean, this is what he's saying. He said he wants to rule the heavens. He wants to be like God is what he really wants. Okay? You ready for the third one? Y'all ready? Okay. I will sit on the mountain or the mount of the assembly. Notice he says that. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. All that really means is that I'm going to be in charge. Of all the creatures, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to make the decisions. He says, I'm going to be the one to make the judgments. Okay, 
he continues in verse 14. Did we go too fast? Do you need to go back? I will sit on the mount of the assembly. That's all it says there. He wants, to, he, he wants to have everybody under him and be in charge, and he's going to be in charge of everybody under him. Okay? That's what he wants. Okay? Then he says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And what he means by that is I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be where God is. I'm going to be at the highest point of the universe. And when he talks about the clouds, the clouds are usually a reference to God because there's the Shekinah glory, that cloud, which is really a picture of God. And so he's saying, I'm going to ascend above the heights of the clouds. I'm going to be in place of God. I'm going to take over. And then we see the last one, and this is the key one. I will make myself like the Most High. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be like God. Notice what he says. I will make myself like the Most High. He said, I'm going to be God. His plan was, I'm going to be God. Can you imagine? I mean, what, what's going on with this being that is a beautiful being who says, you know what? I think I should be God. Listen, I've seen pride in people. It's not pretty. We know what pride looks like with people when people think they're better than other people. You've got this being angel who thinks he's better than who? God. He's a created being. God created him and put him in a great place of responsibility. And he says, I will be like the Most High. And, and we're, we're going to see the fall. But guess what? You know, when he comes down to Eve, after his fall and he comes down to Eve, what does he tell her she's going to be like? God. He says, if you eat from that tree, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And it was a lie, but not a lie. When she ate from the tree, did she know good and evil? Did she know right from wrong? Yes, but was she God? So he lied to her. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. She thought, I'll be like God. No. Sin and rebellion. Satan, a created angel with a great position, huh, was lifted up in pride and desire. Question, did you have a question? Question? Oh, okay. Uh, Satan, created angel with a great position, lifted up in pride, desired to be like God, rule the heavens and the earth. What, what, when, now, here's the question. This is a big one. When did this fall happen? When did this happen? The Bible doesn't tell us. So have you ever thought about it? Tell me what you think. When did it happen? When, when was Satan at the throne of God and rebelled against God and claimed to be God and then was removed? When did that happen? Huh? But be okay. So was it before Adam and Eve? Was it before the creation of this world? So let let's just do this. What was it before all creation? Before God cre God created angels, Lucifer, the throne of God, Lucifer rebelled, bad angels with him, then then God created the heavens and the earth, and the angels rejoiced at that creation. I mean, could it have been that he said, Here's Satan? Here's his fall. Then God creates the heavens and the earth. And he creates, let's just say Adam and Eve, even though they were, his name was Adam, but her name wasn't Eve. But let's just say that, okay? So what did Satan, God created Satan, he failed. Then he created the heavens and the earth and Adam and Eve. That, is that possible? What? Yes? It doesn't say that Satan was the guardian of the Yeah, he was. Well, that's, that's a thought. I mean, we're saying that he's guarding the throne, but could there already be, let's say this, could there, 
we're not saying when he was created. We're saying when did he fall? Yeah, yeah, not when he was created. He, here he is. And so did he, was he there guarding, fell, then God created heavens and earth and Adam and Eve. Okay, that's before all creation. Or was it after creation and before the fall of man? So you got this. Here's Satan. And then here's God creating the heavens and the earth. And then here's Satan falling. And then Satan coming to Adam and Eve. What do you think? Yes. Right, right. When he says he's sent to heaven, he's not saying I'm not in heaven. He's saying I'm, I'm going to get the high place of heaven. That's what he's talking about. Well, yeah, the he- God has existed in heavens before there was a creation. He's always existed. No, we're not. We're not. We're, yeah, because when I say heavens and earth, we're talking about our creation, our world. Because God always existed long before our world. He's always existed from all eternity past. So when we say, what did he have? Was there Satan, fall, then our creation, and then going after Adam and Eve? Or was there Satan and the creation, then Satan's fall, and then he went after mankind? There's, I'm just going to throw this out, there's a term called Sufralopsarianism and Infralopsarianism, and that's really going back to when did all this happen, and did God create man because Satan fell, or did God create man after uh, after this creation and this fall, or did He create this and this after this? Nobody knows. There's no way to know. So. Yeah, yeah, but that Eden is not necessarily referring to the Eden on the earth, because this is in the heavenly places. This, it, it, what we understand there, that most likely that Eden was not the Eden on the earth, but an Eden in the heavenly places. If 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 it's Eden on the earth, the throne of God was not in Eden, you know, but his he is in Eden. And the throne of God at the same time. So we think it's a different Eden. And that this was just the one for mankind. So that's a great question. A great, great point. Okay, so when did it happen? Well, we don't know. We don't know. But that's just food for thought. Now, let me... So, look at this. So, either God created the heaven and earth and all angels rejoiced and then Satan rebelled and went to earth and tempted Eve. Or, uh, you know, was it the other way? So it could be either aspect. Um, when you think about God, and we know He knows everything, He's always existed. He existed before there were any angels, because He created angels. When He created Satan, did God know that Satan would rebel? Did God know when He created man that man would rebel? Did God know that when Satan rebelled, that He would not save angels? Yeah. Did he, did he know that? Yeah. Did he know that when man rebelled, he would save man? Yeah. So, can we understand this exactly? No. Oh, the depths of riches, both the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out. 
That's some verses. I mean, that's Romans. And, and he was basically saying people are arguing all the time about this and God's done this and how God did this. And, and, and let, me, let me raise this. Do you have free will? Is God sovereign? Does everything that God does, er, does everything work in God's plan? Okay, but you still have free will. So what we're saying is God is so great that he can, make, he can make you and you can make any choice you want to make and yet that fits in the plan that he's already planned. Is that right? All right, but you still have your freedom, do you not? You're not a robot. Does he say not sin? Does he say, tell you not to sin? Do you sin? So does that fit in his plan? Yeah, okay, yeah. Person is not a person that he wishes to be to serve to the fulfillment of his plan. If that person is not fulfilling his or her part, that person gets replaced by somebody else. Yeah, well, I, I see what you're saying. The idea there is that God has a plan and it's going to work out. And if so-called person who's maybe supposed to have a part in that plan doesn't do that, then God will use somebody else. God, God's plan is going to come to pass, and somehow. Every decision you make, you have the freedom to make, and yet every decision you make fits in his plan. He's, he's that great a God. Now, is that beyond comprehension? Uh, let me tell you what else. Is Jesus God? Is he man? Is he completely God? Is he completely man? We can't comprehend that. How can God be three and one at the same time? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. I mean, when you start looking at God and the sovereignty of God and the free will of man and the 100% God-man and the Trinity and you start looking at it and people have argued for years over these things and you can't argue with them. But the bottom line is you can't know. Yes. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I, I guess that's one way of looking at it. Uh, yeah, well, the truth is this. God's plan is going to happen, but you make choices, and you are accountable for every choice you make. And when you stand before Jesus Christ and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, it wasn't because he made you do that. You had, you had choices, and you could do what, you, what he wants you to do. Now, he still works on everything, and that's why it's so beyond us. Okay, we, we got to go a little bit fast so we can get through, okay? So here we go. So let's talk about the result of the fall, okay? And then if we have time, we can do more questions at the end. The result of the fall. Here we go. Ready? A, Satan lost his position. Satan lost his position. He was cast out. Uh, Isaiah fourteen fifteen says he's cast down, and it actually says thrust down the shield. The whole idea of, of, of going to the place of the dead. The idea is that you've lost your position. Okay, everybody got that? Got it. Okay, here's B. He there's a corruption of his character. He was Lucifer, which meant son of the morning. He's now Satan, which means opposition. He's the dragon. He's the devil. He's, he's all of these different things that are in opposition to God. Where at one time, Lucifer means son of the morning. Does that sound bad? No, Lucifer is not a bad name, but Satan is a bad name. So he's lost. It's a corruption of his character. Okay? Have y'all got it? 
Oh, no, keep writing, okay? Corruption of character. Yeah, I will. He lost his position. Isaiah fourteen fifteen. he's been cast out. So that's all you really need to just remember. He, he's no longer in the position of the anointed cherub at the, at the throne of God. He's not there. Uh, and then B, let me put that, he, he's a corruption character. He's gone from son of the morning to opposition to God. That's pretty bad. You ready for C? Anybody ready for C? Okay, here we go. His destiny is the lake of fire. Matthew twenty five forty one. the lake of fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. He's, he's destined for the lake of fire. Let me ask you a question. Does he know that? Yeah. Of course he does. What does he want? He wants to destroy everything good in this world. Everything good he can destroy. He wants to destroy every human being. He wants to destroy God's plan. He wants to destroy everything he can. You ready? His power is now for evil. Listen, he's a powerful being. Let me ask you a question. Who's who more powerful? Michael the archangel or Satan? Isn't that good to know? Yeah, because you know there's going to be a battle in heaven and we and guess who wins? Satan and Michael are fighting and Michael kicks him out. That's going to be that's at the halfway mark of the three that's the three and a half years that's right. Probably probably when the antichrist puts his idol up in the temple as all that happens. So, but his power is now for evil. He is in total opposition to man and God. Just remember this. He's never for you. Anything that that you know that We've talked about people using uh, demonic things and tarot cards and palm readers and getting involved with all this mess. Listen, all that power, there's power there, and it's evil power. It's not good power. It's evil. You need to stay away from any of that stuff. It will destroy you. It will. It will, it will warp you if you're not careful. So it's powers for evil. Here we go, ready? Uh, he, he judged by Christ on the cross. Do you understand that when Jesus died on the cross and paid for sin according to Colossians, he judged Satan on the cross because he took all of the sin and all the rebellion and he's judged the, the angels on the cross, the, the evil angels. He said, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and made public display of them, having triumphed over them through him, through Christ. That's Colossians 2.15. He's judged by Christ on the cross. He's defeated on the cross. All the way back to Genesis 3.15, the seed of what? Woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. And that's when, that's when he did it, y'all. That's it. That's when he did it. And they, they, Satan would never want Jesus to go to the cross. If he could figure out any kind of way, I'll offer you the kingdoms, I'll offer you this. Listen, what, what would be wrong with Jesus changing stone to bread? Is that a sin? It would be because he's going against God's plan for his life. What would be wrong with Jesus letting all the world know that he's God by jumping off the temple and not getting hurt? Is that how the Father had Jesus to come to the earth to make people known that he's the, he's the Son of God? No. So any of that, all he wanted to do was get Jesus to go contrary to the Father. That'd be wrong. Here's one more. He is judged, judged by Christ at the second coming. When Jesus comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus is going to judge Satan then. Uh, it doesn't look like he's been judged now. 
because he gets to be he gets to roam around, right? But uh, I think I have. Well, I didn't put the verse, uh, but y'all know it. Let me let me read it. Revelation twenty. We're going to get to it one of these days, and we'll absolutely love it. Of course, when we read it on Sunday mornings, I saw an angel coming down from heaven. He had the keys of an abyss and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into abyss, and sealed it so he could deceive the nations no longer until the thousand years are over. He's going to judge him. That's, that's at the second coming. Now, there's an ultimate judgment where he cast him where? Lake of fire. This is in a big abyss. So he's going to, he's going to deal with him. So, as we get to sort of the end, and then we can open it up for some questions if you've got some. Here's what we've seen. There are many... False assumptions about the devil. There are many false assumptions. Well, he's not real. Oh, he's, he's, he's all-powerful. Oh, he lives in hell. Oh, he's ugly. You know, there are all these false assumptions that people have about, about Satan. I saw a cartoon the other day, and, and it's uh, it just, I don't know what the cartoon is supposed to be, but here's, here's Satan, and he's got the underwear on and the pitchfork and the horns, and then there's a, a guy down there, and he goes, man, it sure is hot in here. And, you know, and that, that was the cartoon. But, but what's the picture? That it, he's in hell, and he's, it's hot down there, and he's controlling hell. Well, listen, he has nothing to do with that. Second, Satan was created by God as the anointed cherub and guarded the throne of God. Now, when it says guarded the throne of God, I've had people say, well, who's going to be attacking? No, it doesn't mean guarded like from an enemy. It was up there like having a great place of responsibility that's what that means that's why it says he guarded the throne satan was created by god as the anointed cherub and guarded the throne of god whoa it's just it's beyond comprehension y'all ready for three i think they're all up there so you can keep writing number three satan in pride rebelled against god because he wants to be god satan in pride rebelled against god because he wants to be god I think in our world, the, the most distasteful thing you can find in a person is pride. It's the most distasteful thing. We can see anger and people getting messed up and blah, blah, blah. But when you see pride, you know, it, it's, it's probably the most distasteful thing. And that's, that's what caused the fall of Satan. That's what caused the fall of man. You see people in pride say things and do things that you'd say, my gracious, why are you saying that? What are you doing? Okay, number four. Satan lost his position, becoming the most evil being, and will ultimately be judged by Jesus. Who he is. So think about it. There are a lot of false assumptions that people have things wrong about the devil, that he's created by God and guarded. He was a cherub, that special angel. In pride, he rebelled and wants to be God, and he lost his position, and he's the most evil being we can imagine. And listen, if you know people that make fun and say, oh, there's no, y'all are, you guys are just, you're just trying to come up with something to give an answer for evil. No, these are evil being, and he's out there, and he, he will do anything he can to harm you. So, are you ready for the applications? Huh? No. Not right? Okay. Yeah, we know that's right. We don't know when when he actually lost his position before or after our creation. Uh, 
we know angels were created before our creation. We know because they sang at our creation, but we don't know when Satan actually fell, either before or after that. But we do know his defeat. He's already been defeated at the cross. He will be defeated when Jesus comes the second time, and he will defeat, be defeated at the end of the, kingdom, uh, the millennial kingdom when he's cast into the lake of fire. So uh, he's, he's, gonna, he's getting his eventually. And that, that's why when you read Revelation 19, who's leading the way? Revelation 19, 11, I saw heaven open, one riding on a white horse. Who is that? That's Jesus. Where are we? We're riding on horses behind him, but we're not going, we're going to go fight. No, 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 no. We're saying, you just take care of it. We're riding right behind you because you're going to take care of it. And he is. Uh, we never are the fighters. We're never the fighters. You know, wow. Okay, you ready? For, okay, application. Let's realize that there are many false assumptions about the devil. Just realize that. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that you're going to hear all the time that are not right. That are not right. You know, there are, you know there are Satan worshipers, right? You guys know that. Right? There are people who worship the devil. And, and they, they, they know exactly who he is. They know he's a, 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 a demon. They know he was created by God. But they, they, they worship him. That's going on. Wiccan, witches, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, second, let's understand the fall of Satan. In pride, he lifted himself up. He wanted to be God. Just understand that. Understand how that happened. Because when we're talking to people and people say certain things, I mean, some of that, number one, there's going to be people say things and you're going to say, no, that's not true. No. Or they'll say, uh, the devil, he's, he's in hell right now controlling things. No, no, he's not. He's the prince of the power of the air. Okay? And then I think uh, as a room for another one, yeah. Realize that one day God will judge Satan, casting him into the lake of fire. Who will already be there? Let me show you one thing real quickly, just, just for fun. Okay, so you've seen this chart many times. This is the church age. This is the rapture. This is the seven-year tribulation. This is, this is Jesus coming back, setting up the kingdom. This is the thousand-year reign of Christ. This is the great white throne judgment, and this is eternity. When Jesus comes right here, he's going to take the beast which is the Antichrist, and the false prophet, and he's going to cast them in the lake of fire. And then he's going to bind Satan for a thousand years. At the end, Satan will be released for a short time, and then Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. And then there will be a great white throne judgment, and everyone's name found written in the book of life goes on. Anyone named not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire.